This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Pero, Pero Let, Let Me, Me Tell, Tell You. you. Dale. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Nothing really matters. Except for our podcast. Everything we tell you. Oh, I can't think of rhyme. <laughs> the only thing I can think of to rhyme with podcast is ass, and I don't think that's appropriate. I want to watch the documentary on Mr. Roger. When does that come out? I don't know. Hmm. I know there's a movie coming out. Yeah, I thought it was the same thing. No, I think it's a... I don't know. Well, either way. Welcome to Pedro, let me tell you. Wait. <laughs> okay, you need to stop these... Uh, <laughs> you know. I love the cold open. I think it's great. Yeah, the cold open is great, but generally it's me you're laughing at. And remember, I'm Mr. Uh, I'm stoic. But that's why. I feel the audience needs to like you know have a, have a laugh with you before you take them down this... This very informed road that you've paved for. Okay, great. Well, here we are. <laughs> Episode number nine. I feel we've been here before. I'm getting the massive sense of deja vu. <laughs> Let's just tell our, uh, our well, listeners. You know, these are our friends and family. So this is the third <laughs> version of episode nine that we've recorded. Um, today. 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 <laughs> so... We're not going to get into it, but, you know, there were a couple of interruptions, a couple of intermissions, technical, um, technical difficulties, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was some pan de bono eaten, okay. um, some Publix cake, con, con so... <laughs> God, all that happened today, I feel like so much... Uh, we've been here <laughs> a while. We've been here about six, seven hours, Jeez, and... Um, thank God that we record this in my in my house and not a studio, because we'd be paying OT <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So here we are, episode nine, for you guys, it's the first time for us it's like the third time and we're totally not yes, kidding but it feels like the first time uh, so. that's because we're easy like sunday morning it's true i don't know i don't have that some blind woman make a horrible bust of me like they, she did for lionel richie and no, Richie Chico, that's, that's hello not breezy like sunday morning yes i know but i'm just putting it out there i don't want an ugly ass bust <laughs> well, again welcome to episode nine here we are and um, I think that before we get started here, you have a little bit of an update on your oh, whole okay. service animal that you've become the service animal's I've, ambassador. Yes, I've become like like uh, San Lazaro, like the patron saint of animals, apparently. <laughs> but but the difference is that while he you know is a patron saint of animals who need help, on the patrons of animals who can't get on a flight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was talking about support animals, the poor you know peacock that continued to be flightless. The hamster got flushed down the toilet. Bore Although I think a hamster, if anybody's equipped for a Going down the tubes because you know they crawl in those little tube thingies in their cages. Hamsters could probably do it, but anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> United Airlines not been having a good week. They have basically rerouted two dogs, one of them to Japan. Another <laughs> dog was put into an overhead compartment and died. And I just have one question: like, why does United Airlines hate puppies? I don't know. Doesn't everybody like puppies? No, you know what? No. Not everybody loves puppies. Is United being run by a cat person? I've met <laughs> I've met soulless people that do not like puppies. I don't trust people that don't like puppies. I don't know. I mean... And that's probably why I don't fly United. Because I, I mean, trust clear, Clearly, I mean, in all seriousness, in this case, the the one you're talking about in terms of oh, the, no, the puppy so. being put over the over, overhead compartment. Yeah, but I mean, essentially, I mean, it was put into the overhead compartment. It was mid-flight. It wasn't like at the beginning of the flight, it was toward the end, if, if I remember correctly, and 
he was placed in there in the little carrier and something happened. I mean, I guess he was creating what a flight attendant deemed was a disturbance or maybe somebody else deemed was a disturbance and asked the flight attendant to take care of. And the solution was, well, we'll take this dog and put it in the overhead compartment. Right. And my initial thought was, wait a minute, but you know, like if she's in group three, those things were already full. Where did they put the carry-on that was already in right. there? So there's a whole lot of questions that come up. Right. Well, I, I keep thinking and but I keep died. saying... Uh, no, and that's terrible. And I, I keep thinking... You know, I seriously doubt. I mean, I'm sure there is some type of policy and procedure in terms of what to do with animals on board True, and what I'm to just, do with animals right. un, if they become unruly mid-flight. I'm sure there's something right. pertaining to that. And there's probably, I would assume, in those policies and procedures, something in terms of the discretion of the flight attendant. You know, that the, that Fair whatever enough. the flight attendant deems appropriate to handle that matter but with that said exactly i don't think anybody any reasonable person i mean i know i'm getting a little bit legal here i don't think that any reasonable person would think that putting a puppy in the overhead compartment is the proper thing to do mid-flight next Uh, a baby i mean like (laughs) your baby is being unruly we're gonna put it in the coat closet (laughs) i'm just picturing the baby hanging there like a baby bjorn (laughs) just (laughs) hanging there like and just bouncy, bouncy. I, I'm just, I, I'm, I. Apparently, I'm just going to keep updating every time there's some type of weird ass story with. But with, as we, as we talked and, about and the first time, we talked about the flightless peacock and the service. But well, this was not a support animal, right? This was like just a legit. I'm going on a trip. I'm taking my pet with. I'm me. Taking my Yorkie. I can deal. I feel worse for this person, right? Because no. they weren't trying to game the system, right? They, le- they legitimately they, they took were their legitimate. dog. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, United. You know, well, but as we said when we were, you know, kind of brushing through the topics prior to recording, <laughs> if they dragged a passenger uh, out, yeah, no. which ended up in his nose was broken, right? Uh, among other things, I mean, he was all the passenger. If you guys remember that United last year dragged out and all that. Yeah, the puppy never stood a chance. The puppy didn't stand a chance. I mean, listen. The puppy got as far as it was going to get when it when it made that this fateful decision to board that United Airlines. So flight. now you know United is a airline to the puppy killer. So you are warned. I feel, I feel like flying on United now should just be considered some type of weird Lord of the Flies Hunger Game. UFC <laughs> it's like a risk. Like your insurance, your life your insurance should go up. Your life insurance yeah. is null and void exactly. when you're on United flight. Yeah, like, just in case. That's that type of stuff. So uh, anyway, well, welcome again to episode nine. Yes. <laughs> You know, you know who else sometimes could be unruly and didn't always doesn't always play by the rules that are expected. D. McKean, Roseanne Barr, Roseanne. That's a great topic to start off with. Um, so Roseanne has the show has premiered for their tenth season after being gone for twenty years. Is it ten? Did, yes, they, eight, they, nine? they only ran for nine seasons. I thought they did eight. I don't know. Why. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Will and Grace was eight. Yeah. Okay. It's weird because it wasn't eight. It wasn't ten. Usually these long shows that yeah, have they, a long lifespan like running even, even number. Yeah. No, nope, nine. Um, just she like, wouldn't even do that the way people wanted right. her to. Just like Growing Pains. Growing Pains had seven seasons, not eight. Really? Yep. 85 to 92. Do you think it could have gone longer had Chrissy not aged rapidly from one season to the next? I think it didn't go longer because of Kirk Cameron, but that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, so Roseanne came back and um, over about 19 million people watched the show um, and it got obviously great ratings and it's been critically acclaimed. Um, 
Yeah, it's been four years since anything has reached that level of ratings and on network TV, much less. Right. And then we're talking, obviously, not Super Bowls and things of that nature. Right. So, you know, I think um, I, I was a huge, huge fan of the um, original incarnation of the show. Um, and I was very hesitant with the show coming back. I mean, obviously, I was happy that it was coming back and the whole cast right. agreed to do it. But I was very hesitant because... Roseanne, unlike other sitcoms from its time, you know, we're talking about the 80s and 90s, Roseanne was very much a creature of its own time. It was very, very cutting edge um, for that time, you know, from, you know, LGBT issues to birth control to um, <clears throat> drugs. Masturbation. Masturbation. Um, well, racism spousal abuse. Racism. Yeah, yeah. Spousal abuse. Um uh, domestic violence. I mean, it was very cutting edge for its time, okay. uh, you know. And and the problem with that is, you know, will it be cutting edge now? Yeah. Can so it keep it up. Can it keep it up? Because again, this show is very different from you know other family sitcoms of the time. Mm -hmm. um, it, it didn't sugarcoat things. It was very kind of in your face and kind of raw, very realistic, and. You know, I certainly was hesitant. You know, I, I wasn't so much hesitant. Well, no, but that's fair. I wasn't so much hesitant in terms of the chemistry of the cast. But was the content going to be worthy of their chemistry? Right, exactly. Because at the end of the day, it's Roseanne's show. And if Roseanne can't be relevant, then it's not going to work for the other True, characters. but I think one of the things that, that they've done this time around that was very smart is not only did they reunite the cast, but they've also gone back to the talent pool. And a lot of the writers and mm -hmm. producers on the show for this go-around are actually seasoned comedians. Wanda Sykes, uh -huh. uh, Whitney Cummings, Norm MacDonald. Yes. So, you know, you really are not... Again, obviously when she first started, she was an unproven commodity. So, you, you know, you didn't necessarily have your big name, whatevers. But this time around, I feel like there's that, that conscious effort to say, okay... We know what the show has to be. The show ultimately is about family, but we need to have voices that are really resonating about what comedy is today. Right. Let's 2018 version. Exactly. Let's incorporate that because what you don't want... It's a fine line, right? You have to straddle because you want the same show, but you right. don't want the same show. Exactly. Because I can watch the reruns, I you know, and I can watch you younger, and I can have my memories of when right. I saw it, and blah, blah, blah. So it's a very fine line to bring a TV show back from right. the dead as it were right well i mean i think they hit it they hit the nail on the head because obviously um roseanne barr the person is a, a outspoken trump supporter which is very rare especially for a celebrity for hollywood, yeah, hollywood. Oh my God. and the character roseanne connor is also a trump supporter and that was just brilliant in the first episode they she kind of has a quarrel with her sister jackie which is my favorite character <laughs> of the show uh she always has been jackie laurie metcalf my previous last coke she in the desert recipient, yes um and you know the 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 first episode while they did talk about certain issues and certain things about you know trump versus Hillary or, you know, Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. It really wasn't so much about the issues. It was so much about the family dynamic, which mm -hmm. is very realistic Absolutely. in terms of, you know, so many so many of us throughout the country that we've, you know, there's Trump supporters and then there's, you know, not the Trump supporters. Because I know that in my own family, and I've, you know, talked about it here in the podcast, it's certainly been an issue with me yeah. who didn't vote for Trump and everybody else. And everyone else. There's just me. It's me against the world. I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't stop loving your your family, right? I mean, unless they're just horrible human beings. But I mean, politics is politics, family is family, and especially I think coming from a Hispanic background, 
this is gonna sound horrible, but it's almost like you know the old adage that, that most Hispanics is like you know Americano, you know white people when they're eighteen. Bye. Maybe I'll see you once a year for Christmas. Right. So no big deal if you have opposing political views or right. what have you. Because you start to deal each other with Thanksgiving, twice Christmas, twice a year at yeah. most. You know, yeah. but with us Hispanics who are always in each other's blessed lives uh-huh. <laughs> every other day. It becomes a little bit more constant in that, you know, you can't just, what am I going to just be like, no, you know, primo or dad or mom, you know, whomever. Like, no, I'm just never going to talk to you ever again. Like, my that's just, yeah, <laughs> like, that's just not an option. You know, it's just not. I'm... But it was done very well. Um, and it was, obviously it was funny. There, there were a few scenes there with Roseanne and with Jackie that it was like, oh my God, it, they, it's that spark from 20 some years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. And these reboots have a double, you know, challenge because... Essentially, you know, any show starts off when when you set up a show, you have to make sure that in the pilot, and I mean, and you, I've written one, and you you so you've seen yes. this. You have to make sure that everybody understands who the characters are and what the situation is, and what the setup of the show is, right? So you have to do a lot of table setting, but it can't be expository. Mm-hmm. It has to almost seem like everything is already happening. You're just dropping in on these people's lives. Now you're caught up to speed. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. With these reboots, they essentially have to do that twice because they have they can't take it for granted that everybody knows these characters. Right. right? So you have to reintroduce them. You can't pick up where you left off. You can't off. pick up where you left off exactly the same way. You have to introduce them to new people, but you also can't introduce them, introduce them, because people right. who've been there before need to see, you need to bring them up to speed on where they're at now. Right. It's a very fine edge, you know, line that you have to walk to... Bring in new viewers, not alienate older viewers. Set it up, keep it the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just well. I think that in Roseanne, and they, they did a great job. They did a great job in terms of you know because they brought in new characters, and the new characters are predominantly the grandchildren. Now they're able to bring new storylines, right. and that's organic, right? Because that's very realistic, exactly. Because, for example, um, they aired two episodes, and the second episode... Um, the I main... think it was going to air two episodes, or no, it was just the premiere thing, right? I think it's just for the premiere, okay. yeah. <clears throat> the second episode, the main you know, uh, story arc of that episode was that Roseanne's uh, grandson, um, he he's a, about a 10-year-old boy, and he likes to dress in some you know, girls' clothing, which he's... is... Very relevant today. Absolutely. He dresses like Liza Minnelli. <laughs> he does. And all of his clothes were like spandex sparkly just, pants and needs, scarves. He just like that black, you know, that uh, yeah, yeah, black yeah. sparkly uh-huh, thing that she one, always that wears. That tunic thing that she always yeah. wears. She's like, Which, Mama, it's Liza with a Z. <laughs> you know, I don't know. This is more like Cher. But anyway. <laughs> but it was very relevant today to, you know, the conversations we have about gender fluidity and all that. Right. And what I liked about it was that um, while obviously the family was supportive of him and they loved him. You know, they didn't really know what to do with it, and they didn't quite understand why he was the way he was, but they supported him nonetheless. And, you know, I, I love the scene with the little boy and Dan, mm-hmm. you know, that Dan's like, look... Super he, hyper gruff, big tough guy. Right, you you're know? you're going to go to school and they're going to make fun of you, and this is just what's going to happen, and it's not going to be easy. And It doesn't matter how accepting we are. Right. Like, this is the world that is that exists. Right, so I thought that that was very realistic, because I think that that... That is how they, a real family in the real world would yes, handle it. That's the genuine concern. Right. Whereas I think some some other shows would be like, oh, we love each other and support each other. That's all that matters. That's great, but that's not realistic in terms of when you go out there into in the, the world. world. Yeah. So, no, no, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, two thumbs up for the reboot of Roseanne. I really yes. hope it gets subsequent seasons. I mean, probably with this premiere, it's, it's going to. Oh, I mean, it's. I can't see them saying no unless. 
Roseanne doesn't want to do it. You know no, Roseanne I mean? like, wants to do it. Oh, okay, no, no, I'm saying that's the only thing I can no, think no. of because with, with ratings like that, it would be insane. And I know that we're going to see not just another season of Roseanne, we're going to get season three, which we haven't even seen season two of Will and Grace. There's a whole bunch of other reboots right. in the pipeline from, you know, uh, Murphy Brown is coming back, Cagney yes. and Lacey, Magnum P.I. Cagney and Lacey. Cagney and Lacey is coming back. Personally, I feel, and viewers, maybe you agree, I think you and I mm-hmm. should actually write our own reboot based at a Café Versailles. <coughs> okay. But we it'll be a reboot of It's a Living. I'm just saying. It's it a living there. but a Café Versailles. Exactly. <laughs> it's a living at Café Versailles. Mira, you could have, obviously, una cubana. You could have Do you guys a- remember? I mean, I don't think everybody's going to remember It's a Living. <laughs> it's a sick... It was essentially it was a sitcom about four... Depending on the season, but it was about four waitresses... And just their hijinks. I mean, yeah. it was Crystal... Ber- the, the ones people tend to remember... Well, there was Bernard. a lot of them. <laughs> right, right, but the ones that people tend to remember is Crystal Bernard, who was also on Wings. Um, Shirley. Cheryl Lee Ralph, uh-huh. who was also in a whole bunch of other stuff, but she was in Dreamgirls. She was the mother on Moesha. Gail Edwards. Gail Edwards, who was Vicky on... In Full House. In Full House. And Barry Youngfellow, who was actually a, the original... Um, the original mother on Blossom before uh-huh. they recast the role with Melissa Manchester. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, and she, and, and Gail, Gail Edwards was, was Six's mom. Was Six's mom? So they must have had the same casting people. Yep. As it's a living because yep. they kind of were mining that pool. <laughs> that reminds me. I've I've always yeah. thought interesting, totally off tangent. That I've always said that Suits, you know, my yeah, favorite show, obsession. is um, they must have the same casting company or people as Game of Thrones because there's so many characters sure. from Game of Thrones that have been on Suits. It's like the same actors. Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. But 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 let it marinate. I think we can come back to this. We can have a Guana, Unaitiana. Unaitiana. For sure. We have to have uh-huh. it. You know, and then we can have like, you know, maybe like a, either another type of Hispanic or just like a kind of like Americanized Hispanic, uh-huh. right? Like a young girl maybe in college. Yeah. We need a Puerto Rican in there. We need a Puerto Rican. And that's four. Because I think any more than four waitresses is too much. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then you can have the hostess and you can have, actually, not even. You could have the host. Instead of the hostess, you could have La Señora who's at La Ventana. Mm-hmm. And she like, and she plays like the role of like Pearl from Two Two Seven, like she's the sassy one. <laughs> or or okay, it's a Cuban restaurant that for some reason just got bought out by um, like, like an American, like, like an American, okay, like, uh, an American it's, family, culture like, clash like, type of Yeah, thing. And she doesn't, you know, she's like, pero, you know, what are you people doing? You know, I love this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're totally writing this. We'll keep you updated. <laughs> we may. We may Actually, have... I really like this idea. <laughs> I love this idea. Listen, I'm. You know, I'm down for writing another special. Okay, well, we said it here first. Yes, it's recorded. It's recorded. So, so we, we got. So it. now that we're we're talking about all these re- reboots, um, I kind of, you know, obviously there's Roseanne, yep. there's Full House. Uh, well, Fuller House. There's Will and Grace. Murphy Brown is coming up. There's um, uh, and to a lesser Gilmore extent, Girls. We've had Gilmore Girls. We've had Hawaii Five O. We had MacGyver. Well, but let we me had, ask you. Those, those, are, I mean, those are reboots, essentially. But, but I mean, would you consider them the same? So, because they're, I think, I see them as reinterpretations of of it. Because okay, I think it's it's semantics. Because to me, like Roseanne, Will and Grace, Fuller House. To me, those are not. I don't think of them as so much reboots as continuations. Right, I think of it as a continuation. To me, a reboot is like the MacGyver or the whole Exactly. Yes, yes. Right. Yes. I, I don't consider those in the same realm Correct. as, no, as no, those. No, I agree. Okay, but but going to the Full House, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, Will and Grace, do you think that these shows and the popularity of these shows, do you think this is happening because they've kind of run out of ideas and, you know, we know this worked at one time, the formula is successful because, like, Full House, 
Full House ended its run, his original run in 1995, and it's never been off the air in over 20 years. Right. And from what I, I remember reading, there were there have been times that Full House on Nick and Knight or whatever right, right. channel it's been airing, that syndication has had higher numbers than first run, you know, network television. I believe it. So, do you think that it's like we know this formula works? We know there's already a, mm-hmm. kind of an audience here. It's a safe bet, especially for well, Full House, Fuller House is not network television, but especially for regular network television that it's so fickle. Or do you think it's more like let's play in on the nostalgia of it? And I think there's a little bit of everything. I think, and more so now that these two most high profile with Roseanne and Will and Grace have proven to be so successful. And Full House. And Full, no, no, but, but to your point, Full House is on Netflix. Right. So I'm talking from a prime time, from a, a major a network. network perspective. They've proven to be so successful, so get ready, guys, because we're going to see more of them. I mean, right. I'm, just, I'm, I'm seeing this right off the bat. We're going to see more of this coming down the pike. It's going to happen. Right. Now... Fuller House, when Fuller House premiered in February of 2016, mm-hmm. I read, because you know, obviously Netflix doesn't release its numbers. I wish they would give out their numbers. I'd um, love to know. I read that that weekend, overall television viewership was down, I don't know the what cable percent. cable and network. Cable and network was down a certain percent. percent. And industry people think that it's because people were watching Fuller House. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. And again, because we don't have their actual numbers, there's no way for us to draw that correlation. Right. But I, I absolutely believe it, and I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't happen with Stranger Things Season 2 and, you know, all of those other really high-profile shows. But I think it's there's a big part of it that, you know, we've seen this continuation or modernization before. We saw it in the 80s with the new Leave it to Beaver, mm-hmm. the Monsters Today, the new Gidget. But what happened is it was taking place in syndication because that's right. where these shows were living before. I didn't... I, it, when you mentioned that, it's funny because I, I see what you're saying, but I had never thought about it, and you're right. That was at that time in the 80s. I remember the new Leave it to Beaver yeah, in the and it 80s. Was, it was pretty much, if not everybody from the original cast, the yeah. majority were. And you know, you know which else that you mentioned I completely forgot was brought back in the early 90s, late 80s, the Brady's. The Brady Bunch the Brady's, the Brady's, was the Brady's. It was an hour-long drama on CBS. Yeah, yes, yeah that exactly. totally did not so work. this is it. Because <laughs> who doesn't want to see Marsha become an alcoholic and crash her car? <laughs> I don't. Um, and it wasn't even real Marsha. But... It's fake Marsha. It was fake Marsha. And then she went off somewhere with fake Jan from the 70s variety show. But that's... You know, so, so this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't new, right? But we're seeing it now on this bigger scale. And I think what's happening is because... Viewers, TV viewership, network viewership is down so much, or it's become so fragmented and segmented. These executives are just like, you know what? Screw it. At least I know X amount of people are going to watch this show. Right. Because I'm never going to get the numbers of a MASH finale. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get the numbers of, you know, a Friends and its peak. Those days are gone. It's just not going to happen. So I'll be happy if I can get whatever is considered nowadays a huge number, right? Right. So, what's the easiest way to ensure that somebody comes and watches that? Well, in the last couple of years, they've tried bringing back beloved TV stars. They tried bringing back Michael J. Fox. It didn't work. They've brought back, um, you know, uh, they, I, even I'm this guy from Will and Grace, um, Eric Rich, Sean They've tried the, that formula of like, let's bring back these people that they love. That hasn't worked. So, what's the next step? All right, let's bring back the people they love. In the characters that they love. Right. And see if that works. And so far, they've 
paid off. You know what else? You know what they should have tried when if they really wanted these shows to to work. They needed to bring back Heather Locklear in some form. I love it. <laughs> Just be a special oh, guest star. Listen, Heather's going through some rough. Yeah, times. Heather's going through some time. We wish Heather all the best. I do wish Heather all but the best. But let's be let's be She's the reason I'm in advertising. <laughs> you know what's funny? That that's I'm not even going to pretend that's not. Yeah, like <laughs> I I watched Melrose Place and I thought, you know, when I grow up, I'm just going to be in advertising and have lots of sex on conference days. and work in D and D. It was D and D, right? D and D, yeah, it's D and D advertising <laughs> in my office now, where everybody worked on campaigns, but nobody ever really did anything. <laughs> they were always at the office late, but they were never actually working. Mira, that's a re- that's a reboot that didn't work. That didn't work. But the nine hundred two one zero one ran for about five seasons. Yeah, on CW. Yeah, I never saw the Melrose Place one. Did you? I did, just because you know I love Melrose Place. She was in it, right? She came in toward the end. So Melrose Place was—I think it was an odd attempt to bring in these new characters, but have some of the old ones. And like Michael was the father of one of the new characters. But did so, they bring in Heather Lock? Well, Amanda to save the show. Essentially, it was, they basically mm-hmm. tried to see if they could have lightning strike twice. Mm-hmm. So they did bring her in, and and I I will say it got f- more fun and a little mm-hmm. sudsier. But I think also there's something to be said for where primetime soaps are nowadays as mm-hmm. opposed to where primetime soaps were in the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. which is over the top, bigger, mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. just, you know, blow up the damn building, mm-hmm. you know, have Jane and Sydney fight in the pool in a wedding dress, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, that's just not, I, and, yeah, and because, I'd like to see the reboot of the of Dynasty, actually, because I would love to see if they are maintaining that level of cattiness mm-hmm. that the original was just infamous for. Because I don't think, I don't know if that... Translates well. So you think there'll be a scene of uh, burnt champagne? Mm, uh, I can only hope it's burnt. It's burnt. I will say I do hope that they do some stunt casting there because um, the John in Dynasty in Dynasty because the John Forsythe role right now is being played by um, Grant Show, who used Uh to play Jake on Mo's place. Right. So they still, to my knowledge, have not brought in the Alexis character. And I'm hoping that if they do, maybe they bring in like Daphne Zuniga who right. played Joe. Like let's you know, let's go big. Let's make this a You know fun. what? A lot of people forget that Joan Collins was in the first nope. season of Dynasty. She was in the second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've actually seen that scene several times when her and um, <laughs> Ooh, um Linda Evans. And Linda Evans come uh, Crystal. Crystal. When her Crystal. and Crystal meet for the first time. <laughs> She's like, This is not your house. Please leave. <laughs> My favorite cat fight of her of theirs. This is so off topic, but my favorite cat fight there's just the one where like literally Joan Collins walks into the house she looks out the window I don't even know where the hell they are and she sees all the way oh sea tremendo lava like it's this pond all the way at the end Linda mm-hmm. Evans Crystal is standing there not bothering anybody she's just standing there looking off forlorn whatever Joan uh, Alexis sees her no sé por qué, pero she's like, no, ah, she's too peaceful over there. She makes a beeline over there and she just starts like, you know, nyeh, and nyeh, and nyeh, and poking, and poking, yeah. and poking. And eventually they wind up in the pool and, you and know, yeah, covered in lily pads and whatever. And I'm like, there was literally no reason for her to go over there other than to wind up with a lily pad on her head. Well, that's the reason. But that's my point. I don't know if today's audiences can appreciate that. Right. You know, that little well, camp. That's like, um... I've told you this before. One of the shows, and I'm well, we're still talking about television. One of the shows I've really wanted to get into, old shows, mm-hmm. is Dallas. Because, oh, because Dallas, you know, I remember Dallas. Like. I remember Dallas. I remember it very well. I remember the whole big deal with Dallas. But we were kids when Dallas was. It's, it's heyday. In, in its heyday. And, you know, we were. 
We were too young. Although that show ended in the 90s. <laughs> I think that show ended last year. Uh, like, yeah. um, but we were kids. We were too young to really get into that show. Right. But the problem with Dallas is that Dallas ran from like 1977 to like 1992. It has like 14 <laughs> seasons, 14, 15 seasons. And like I think like two TV movies. Each season like, has 24 <laughs> to 26 episodes that are an hour long. So I'm like, this is going to take me years to watch. Like, this is not binge watching over a weekend. This is going to be a like. Sitcom. No, this is going to take right. me years. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that commitment. So. I think you should definitely like pencil some time in. Yeah. So speaking of this, before we move on topic from the topic that we're talking about all these TV reboots, you know what I would like back? And I'm sure you would like back too. Is Who's the Boss? I would. But you know what I take some, uh, some solace in? That every now and then, when we least expect her, but when she knows we most need her, mm-hmm. Judith Light shows up. Judith Light does show up. You know, we don't always know when we're going to get her, mm-hmm. but she knows when she's needed. Yeah, and a world with Judith Light is a good world. I mean, I don't want to live in a world without a Judith Light. <laughs> I, I mean, think of all the wonderful people. We have Judith Light. We have <sighs> Alyssa Milano. Oh my god, oh. You know, God bless who's the boss. We have Tony Danza. Tony Danza. One of the happiest moments of my life is when I saw Tony Danza on Broadway in Honeymoon in Vegas and he started doing like a solo tap number. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's like when he tapped dance on Who's the Boss yes. with, with Alyssa Milano. So yes. I, we have the wonderful uh, Catherine Hellman. She's still with us, right? Yes, she is. Yeah. And we have Jonathan. Danny Pintar. You know what? You know what? I like Danny Pintar. Oh, I, who doesn't love Jonathan Bauer? Yeah, you know, the, the beauty of, the, of a Danny Pintaro is that I feel like because of a Danny Pintaro, we get the LGBT-loving Judith Light. Maybe. She's, now, a huge, you know, she's a huge part of that community. I know, I know. But now that you said... I did Danny Pintaro. Now that you said Danny Pintaro and you went on the LGBT tangent, now I thought about Glenn Scarpelli. <laughs> That nobody has thought about Glenn. Glenn Scarpelli has thought The last time we thought about the last people who thought about him was, was us when we talked like about him. Ten episodes ago. You know, much. background, yeah. secondary character. Still there, you know. Wow. I don't anyway. even know how to transition from Glenn Scarpelli. We hope who's a boss is back if the powers would be happen. You know, maybe it could be kind of like Samantha you know, had kids. I don't want that show to come back. No? Here, I, I feel You don't know like, what they would do with it? I I I fear what they would do with it. Mm. Especially because of the way that show ended. Yeah. You know, it kind of ended where it started. And I don't I don't know that I need to know where these characters are. In my mind... They're, You're okay. In my mind, they're happy. Off. Okay, fair in enough. In my mind, they're happy. I don't know what they would bring them back to. You know what I feel... Because that was... At the end of the day, although it was a family, and it was great, it was a concept show. Yeah. You know what I feel that way about? I feel that way about Friends. I don't care where they're at now. I don't, I don't need you, to. You know why? I, I tell you that perfectly. about Friends, and you know I love Friends... I would love to see the cast get together and do like a, a retrospective. A reunion show. A reunion right, show right. and a retrospective. Like I would love to see the six of them together. Yeah, I love right. this, this but scene. But to and, me, yeah. the problem with Friends is that at the end of the, epi- of the show, mm-hmm. they left the apartment. And to me, like the apartment... Friends is not friends without the... The apartment was a character. Yeah. Friends is not friends without the apartment. So unless they could cleverly find a way of... Yeah, because technically Joey doesn't even live in the apartment at all anymore. Because the spinoff, he left uh, they LA. So. They all moved. And Monica and Joey went to the suburbs. Um, I don't know. Well, Rachel and and Ross, Ross got together. I mean, we, we imagine they got married, but whatever. Um, but to me, the, the apartment was... 
a character of the show and what I mean I, I, yeah, I don't know I, know. I, I have no desire I, again, I would love to see them together. A, a but retrospective, not as the characters. but yeah, I, I think it's fine where it ended. So, well, you know, much like in real life, and this was something that actually came out a couple weeks ago. It was revealed that um, Claire Foy on Netflix is the Crown was actually getting paid less than her yes. male counterpart yes. Matt Smith. Um, and Doctor Who, yes, Doctor <laughs> Who. And while that's a big deal, I think it's an even bigger deal if one considers that on average, women spend every year a good almost $1,400 more than men. You don't say. Across. <laughs> wow, that was not very well acted. <laughs> you tell us the third time we've had this conversation. Um, <laughs> I, as, I, as you know, I have my day job in advertising. And one of my clients is working on a, a social awareness campaign mm-hmm. right now. That's called Axe the Pink Tax. It's actually a website, AxeThePinkTax.com. I'm sorry. I keep thinking pink is the new blog. I'm, go go on. Whoever uh, catches that pink is the new blog reference, bless you. Yes. But. And God bless you. Know, Trent Venegas, thank you for just existing and putting that out there because he loves my, he loves Britney the same as I do. So we're... we're what it is right now. We're Britney brothers. Um, so Axe the Pink Tax. What, what, essentially, what they're trying to do is raise awareness about the fact that on everyday items, women... Over the course of a year, we end up paying, I think it's $1,350 more than men in everyday common products. Now, the clearest example, the easiest example about this is your standard razors, okay? I'm not talking about the chic, you know, super duper quattro versus the Venus Razzle Dazzle. I'm talking the... Little cheap blue big razor. The blue versus the pink. The blue tends to be cheaper than the pink. When you go to a dry cleaner, there tends to be a different cost. Like the, when you're talking about that, you mean like the standard, like standard, cheap. standard, 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 not the Venus. No, 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 no. And and I'll post a couple of examples on on our Instagram page. You know, there's an example there of a child's school uniform mm-hmm. shirt, literally just a red polo shirt. Mm-hmm. The one that is for boys mm-hmm. is about like I think ten dollars and change, and mm-hmm. the one that is for girls, the same shirt is twelve dollars and change. Well, it's funny that you say that because my sister in law is always complaining that. My nephew's uniform is, you know, whatever amount of money, but my niece's uniform is a lot more expensive because she has to buy, like, a blouse, then it's, like, a dress over the blouse, and then there's certain socks she has to wear. Just more components to begin with. Yes, and it's significantly more expensive than the boy's uniform. And, again, even in that instance, I could say, well, okay, fine, because you're buying multiple items, right? Mm. Okay, it's going to cost you more. But the fact is that a red polo shirt is a red polo shirt. Right. I don't care, you know, boy or girl, it's a school uniform. We're not even talking about like, oh, this is a Calvin Klein and this is, you know, a Dolce Gabbana. No. Mm. Straight up standard. And another one that I absolutely flipping love is when they compare a man's regular button-down one-pocket shirt for like, I think it's like $48, Mm. which is about standard, standard price Mm. for a button-down. Versus what is, I'm sure, unironically called the, you know, boyfriend shirt for a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's literally the same. You know, it's men's style, button mm-hmm. down, one pocket. It's like $78. Right. Versus $48. i am like, wait, you're telling me it's a boyfriend shirt. Why does the actual boyfriend shirt and cost probably, $30 And they less? probably market it as, like, very avant-garde. You know, exactly. the woman's white exactly. shirt. And that, it's, but it's the same shirt. I mean, you're literally same saying thing, yeah. it's, it's for a man, quote-unquote, in the yeah. title of the damn thing. And just little things like that. And so, really, this is an initiative. And again, on this podcast, I think by now we've established that, you know, we're kind of feminists in, in, our, sure are. in our own way. Uh, definitely love love the ladies. But it's about bringing this awareness. And so, if you go to that website, they're going to be pushing this out um, this month because, obviously, April is tax 
season mm-hmm. tax yes. month. And so, you know, you want to ax the pink tax. This is the first step towards really just raising awareness of this because a so lot of people don't know it exists. At, at this point, honestly, I, I didn't, I mean, I guess I didn't stop to think about it. I haven't stopped to think about it because I... I well, it doesn't I, apply to you, I hate right? to sound I mean, ignorant, it's, but right. it's not something I really had seen. I will tell you that I don't buy cheap hair products. <laughs> Anybody who has seen his luscious lion mane will know that to be true. And, and I find that like a lot of like the male-oriented shampoos are cheap, and the more or you know, one size fits all. It's a shampoo slash body wash slash yes. use it for your car. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's yeah. You could clean your dirty bits and your hair. And exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas, like, not even like salon brand shampoos, but just like you know, like Dove or or whatever. Um, they're significantly more expensive. I mean, I like for example the that I can think of like um, Irish Spring body mm-hmm. wash, All which right. sometimes I get. You know, and it comes it's a huge bottle. You use it's, Irish Spring to wash your Lucky Charms. I do, mm-hmm. I do, and I sing while I'm at it. I totally want to see what that is like. Me Lucky Charms. I'm gonna hide just like a, a little audio recording thing and just have. I want I want you to sing like. Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes. Ay, Dios mío. ¿Cómo dice que dijo? Johnny boy. Estaba girando el mejor proyecto para quedarse en casa. Anyway, um, we, you know what? That's something we should have. We should. We should do a. We should have like an homage to Sal Gigante. Because Sal Gigante was a big, big, big part of, well, our lives, but especially, I, I watched Sal Gigante until the very end, but. <laughs> Enough about that. Anyway, but yeah, so Irish Spring, like yeah. the big bottle of it is like maybe three dollars, three four dollars, yeah. and it's funny because then like the Dove, like you know, cream, right, whatever, right. it's like eight nine dollars. Right. Well, sig- I mean, significantly more expensive. And even there, I mean, we're talking about there may be a difference because I mean, maybe the Dove might have some type of like you know enhanced, argan oil, right? Or yeah, enhanced oils for moisture, whatever. I don't know. But I mean, at the end, I, I'm even talking. Now that you bring up those products, I mean, the men's like a deodorant, I think, has point x amount more ounces than women. So essentially, mm-hmm. women are fundamentally spending more money on right. deodorant because they have to buy more of it because there's less in the packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest one, and again, I'll, I'll post the link to to this article. The funniest one I saw is that there's a quote unquote female and a quote unquote male mm-hmm. walking cane. Oh boy! And the female one is more expensive than the male one. And I'm like, how do you even assign a gender to un baton? Is it un baton, un baton? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly my point. The only difference would probably be like one, maybe one's blue, one's pink, right? Like, digo yo, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, even things that I are thought marketing... batons were just black. Well, clearly or, 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 or metallic or lo que sea, right? Like, you know, even something like that. So um, we'll be posting some of this, some stuff, so you can post on, on your social media to share. And really, it's just creating awareness. And I think the next step, obviously, guys, would be, you know, to just spread the word and tell more people about it, visit the site, and, you know, reach out to these companies. You know, literally... Procter set, & Gamble. Well, yeah, Procter & Gamble, Colgate, Palmolive, um, Unilever. You know, write to them and, and let them know. We've got so many ways of getting in touch with companies nowadays. You know, you've got your Facebook, your Twitter, your Snapchat, mm-hmm. your email your your j-day your i have to say that that's something that like i'm glad you brought awareness to it because i i 
I'm pretty confident that that's something that a lot of people don't think about. And because I like to think of myself as pretty socially conscious about... Because it's very subtle. About things, but that's something that I had never really thought about. Yeah, it's very subtle because it's not as if, though, it's like, oh, the blue one is a dollar and the pink one is $18. You right. know what I mean? It's more like the blue one's a dollar and the pink one is a dollar fifteen. Right. But, but it adds, adds up. up. And again, $1,300, it's $1,350 a year. By the time a woman... I think is 30 what it, that adds up to and I don't do math so forgive me it's approximately like $40,000 yeah. by the time you're 30 that's that's you know fresh out of college more or less that's mm-hmm. a salary yeah that's a lot of money that's a lot of money wow. so and guys if you think this doesn't affect you you know if you're married and you share a bank account with a woman that's almost $1,400 less a year that you guys have jointly to take a vacation, to maybe, you know... Eat chicken wings. Eat chicken wings. Oh, yeah, that's a hell of a lot of chicken wings. Oh. Without my, my 400 of chicken wings, I mean, that better be a hell of a chicken wing. No. For $1,400. That's, like, free-range, <laughs> free-from-antibiotic, organic chicken from the fields of... Shangri-La. Uh-huh. That were fed, you know, with magic corn. <laughs> Magic corn. Magic corn. Well, no, I mean, actually, I'm glad you brought this up because, again, it wasn't something that I, I knew. And, hey, we uh, the point of our podcast is to Absolutely. inform our listeners and Absolutely. have and, discourse. And, and, again, you know, thinking of it from a different perspective, you know, women are already making less than men. Um, you know, on average, there are some women out there who make more, obviously. But then when you start factoring in, you know, from a multicultural perspective, when you start talking about Hispanic you know, women and even men, they tend to, on the average, make less than their their non-Hispanic counterparts. Um, that's really when it starts to add up. And I think that's, again, as two Hispanics, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we start to think of it from a, from a different angle. You know, we start to analyze it from, not just that from that perspective, but we start to really see a lot of things from that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we, we really color our view, I think, mm-hmm. of the day. Well, you know, because we're still shafted a little bit as Hispanic or Latinos or whatever you want to call and it. And not in the fun way. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, actually, now that you said that, I wanted to bring something up that's a little bit, I guess, controversial. But, you know, hey, we take on the topics, good and bad. We do. We love the controversy of it The Lauren. fun, you know. Yeah, it can't always be, you know, sunshine. And hey, listen. One time we were talking about Hitler. Then we started. Then in podcast number seven. Seven? I, no, start, eight. We've done so many. Now we're starting no, to No, in together. number seven we talked about nothing. And then. Yeah. You know. Listen, you ne- we are like the box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> or, or, La Lata de Royal Dansk. You open it up, you're going to have a Danish butter cookie, pero de verdad, son los hilo y los alfileres de mima. Uh-huh. And that little tomato thing. Uh-huh. The little tomato uh-huh. print cushion. And, and then you open up like, I'm mima, porque tú tienes tanto hilo. Anyway. Damn it, now I want a Royal Dansk cookie. A Royal Dansk. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of, right? What? It reminds me of um, Jennifer Coolidge on Friends. I mean, Dansk classes. <laughs> Can you believe it? You look positively ghastly. Actually, you know what's great? So it's an episode of Friends. It's in the last season where Jennifer Coolidge, um, she guest starred in Friends. And she was a riot. As um, always. 
as a guest star. So on online on YouTube, you just mm-hmm. put Jennifer Coolidge friends. Uh-huh. So there's just like you know maybe a, like a four minute video of like all her lines, oh, like clips. every scene okay. that she was in in that one episode, and it's freaking insanely hilarious. <laughs> so I, I, I like to give in each episode a little YouTube. You know, yeah, tidbit to to our listeners. You know, we're a hyperconnected society. But anyway, <laughs> what I was gonna talk about. So now that you're you mentioned Hispanics and I how did, yes. how we still um, are you enjoying your bourbon there? I am. I mean, there's not much left, but yes. <laughs> and I'm, like, meanwhile, I'm drinking water. It's like a thimble. But anyway, on how Hispanics, you know, we're still shafted, like many minorities. Um, and again, we don't ways. always we don't always see that being in Miami, right? You know, because because here we are the majority, right? So we we have a false sense of it, what to it is ex- to be Hispanic in the U.S. to a degree. To a certain extent, yes, yes. Um, and I, you know, in part because I, you know, I did grow up in Miami, mm-hmm. and I think also in part because of the way that I look. You know, I'm mm-hmm. fair skin, I have green eyes. You know, I can blend in, right, right, right. but then, you know, they hear me talk and I... And, and you do not. <laughs> I do not blend in. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, but I could kind of blend in. Um, I don't scream stereotypical right. Hispanic from the way I look. You're like that shade of white paint that, like, you think is going to match the wall, but then you put it on and you're and like, damn it, it, it dries too dark. That is such a... And then it's, it's white, and then you put it on the wall. It's like that's not it's white. Not white. <laughs> it's like a taupe. It's like a taupe. Uh, sand, Arabian Ooh. sand, Ooh, you know, white or whatever sick. the hell. Anyway, so but ever, but but, and I'm sure that you have gone through this as well. Yes. Um, I mean, I know that you lived here and you lived in New York. New York is kind of the same as here; that it's a melting pot to a degree. You know, I lived here and I lived in Michigan, which I loved. I loved, loved, but very different than New York. But very different, very different demographic. Um. So I, I, I it was experienced. My experience there was a little bit different. But what I'm gonna, where I'm going with this is that every now and then you're reminded that people see you differently right. than how you think they see you. Cool. And um, I had an event, a, a, a situation, a few years ago where um, you know there was somebody in my life at that time. Uh, you know, I I had met this person's family, and 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 you know, they were very very nice people. They were very very affluent people, <laughs> but they were very nice and very modest uh, for being such a affluent family. They were very modest. Right. But after uh, the election, Derry no longer speaks to Scott Bayo's family. <laughs> I'm on team uh, team Nicole Egger. Team Nicole Egger. Yes. So you know, <laughs> well, I would be on team I Nicole Egger. Exactly. But anyway. Um, so, you know, th- these people are very nice, again, very affluent, completely different, you know, upbringing, different um, experience in mind. Different, different perspective. Also. And, but, but again, very nice people. And, um, you know, one time I, I was uh, at an event with um, one of this person's family members and, and Anne of his, and um, very nice lady. And she... <laughs> said nice so many times, I'm wondering if she just got like... <laughs> Cold right, no, but you know why? You know why I, I make sure I make sure to 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 really emphasize that these people were nice because it's not coming from a place of malice, right? Because right, a lot right. of times when you people say negative things about you or or right. say stereotypical things about something somebody else, right. you know, they think you think that they're these ignorant son of a bitches, you know. Right, blah, blah, blah. Right. But a lot of times, you know, what's the saying? The road to hell is paved with, with good, good intentions. intentions. Yes. Sometimes people that don't mean badly end up saying something inappropriate. Right. But anyway, so That's this. My life. This, this, 
this was pretty lady. You know, um, we're talking there about how I went to law school, and um, at that time I had established my own firm and kind of a little bit about that. And obviously she knew that I was Cuban and that my parents were immigrants and all that. And she asks me, oh, honey, are you the first person in your family to go to college? And immediately, you know, like these split... I had a moment where I was like, did she just say this to me? You get defensive. You, you get, did you, she just you, say this yeah. to me? Because I automatically Your thought... Your armor goes up. If I was white, like white Caucasian... Would this question be coming out of her mouth? She wouldn't have asked me that. Right. Of, absolutely not. If she, your last name was Johnson. Right. She would have not asked right. me, oh, sweetheart, are you the first person in your family to go to college? Of course she wouldn't have asked me that. But because she knew that my parents were immigrants, right, right, right. you know, she assumed... That, you know, we all either picked strawberries or cleaned hotel rooms. Which well, that's all there is to do in Cuba. Right. In their defense. Which it's there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that doing that, but that's the assumption, right. right? So, you know what I told her? I told her, actually, I'm not. In fact, I have... It's, uh, we're four brothers. Because, right. you know, I was lumping in my two cousins yeah, exactly. in there. As, right. you know, because they I, all grew up together. I have two cousins who we were raised in the same house. So with them and my brother, the four of us are brothers. And they're pretty, pretty and, close and, in age, too. And, so. and I said, actually, no, I'm not. I'm an attorney. I have a brother who is um, executive vice president of a major national bank. I have another brother who is... Uh, director of MIS operations for one of the largest hospital systems in South Florida, and I have another cousin who's an Emmy award-winning journalist. And none of this are lies, people. These are all no, true. These, these are, are all true. true. Yes. Don't think that this was him trying to just like pull something out of his ass. No, these are all no. very true. So no, actually, no. I'm not the first person in my family to go to college. She was like, oh, okay. But it made it very clear to me there, you know. Right. And again, this very nice person. It wasn't, you know. Yeah. That made it very clear to me there that their image. Of us, the stereotypical image is that we, well, we, I did come from a working class family, you know, and so fine, did you, yeah, and exactly. that's totally fine, but their image is that, you know, we're, um... El pobrecito. Oh, yeah, you know, they probably, you know, she's a maid, the mom's a maid, and, you know, and maybe, you know, he had to go to, like, community college, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's the but assumption. The perception. That's the perception. Dude. I hear you beyond loud and clear. I, the amount of statements, questioning statements that I get because I do a lot of multicultural advertising mm -hmm. from clients continues to astound me in the year 2018. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing with me is that, again, a couple years ago, the census came out and showed that Hispanics were going to be the largest minority. And so companies are always very reactive you know mm -hmm. it's like oh well this is going to be important okay we need to do this but then they don't really want to do it but mm -hmm. they have to do it you know what i'm saying so it's mm -hmm. one of those like when you start talking to them about things they kind of just look at you like can't i just buy univision and telemundo and check the box and right that's call it. it a day you're done and like that's not what it's about but uh, one of my bosses who's also has a, a strong background in multicultural communications marketing advertising one day recounted to me a story that she had with an automotive client where, you know, she's there trying to make the case as to why they should expand their, their marketing and their communications to reach actively, really proactively reach the Hispanic Spanish language consumer. And she says that this person, again, we are talking about the head of a marketing department at a major U.S. automotive company mm -hmm. with no irony, no, you know, wink, wink, nothing. Right. With a straight face basically said to her, 
Hispanics buy new cars? <gasps> now, oh my god. She, I love, I Where's I, my water? I, love, I need to drink water. I love, and I will, I will get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout her out actually. Joy Tyrell, she's one of my bosses, uh, former bosses. I love her. She is maybe five, five foot one in heels, okay? She is the definition of a spitfire. She is yeah. just one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my life. I don't know how she didn't just tell him where to go and how to get there. But she was telling me, you know, she just remembers telling him, like, you know, what she wanted to say was, like, the fuck you think they buy, dumbass? Like, you know, that was her, like, gut instinct. But she was very, like, you know, well, yes, they do. And, you know, she kind of went into that soothing but condescending mm-hmm. voice, you know. And this is a woman, and she's black, but she's not Hispanic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, But, but she, she understands. But she gets but it. Because she is a minority, she's she a minority, understands. And she's a, a woman. She's black and she's a, she's a woman. woman. Yeah. So she knows what that's like, you know. And so... I, I, it, that, I always point to that when people say like, oh, but, you know, Hispanic and multicultural. And I'm like, yeah, because it's what's in now. But, you know, you sit in these meetings where people ask questions like that and they're telling you that, oh, no, we have to reach the Hispanic audience. And then you tell them what it's going to require. And they're like, oh, that's kind of expensive. And it's like, well, yeah, you got to invest money. And then mm-hmm. if they don't see the results immediately, they're like, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, no, they don't buy new cars because in six months that I had a campaign going... I didn't have, you know, a busload of Nicaraguans show up at my dealer and, you know, all right. my Lexuses. Right. Like, that's not how it works. And so, you know, kind of to your point where it's like, how dare you discredit me just by, you know, the, saying that I can't afford something or that this doesn't appeal to me or that right. I didn't achieve this based on just but that's that I why, have so many vowels in my last That's name. why, like, it's a matter of subtleties. Because I think a lot of people, it's not that they're, you know flat out racist or ignorant or they try to be an asshole it's those subtleties like i said would she have asked me that if i was white caucasian if you were michael jones if my was michael jones or michael johnson you know that my family came from you know connecticut you know (laughs) you know would she have asked me that of course she wouldn't have asked me that she would have assumed you did she asked me that because she probably thought you know that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you know, this poor kid. Which, you know, again, nothing hey. nothing was given to me. You know, I had to pay my way through law school, right. you know, which I'm still paying. You know, <laughs> I, you know, at college, I mean, I got a scholarship for it, but I mean, nothing was given to right. me. That's yes, we, and, and as you as well, we had to work hard for it. But, you know, to assume, to ask that question, oh, are you the first person in your family to go to college? I mean, do you think that we just crossed the Florida Straits, you know, two days ago? I mean, my parents have been in this country, you know, 40 years. Like, I mean, I mean, it, it's that type of mindset that just really irritates me because n- not to judge other people by my personal standards, I wouldn't make that assumption from somebody else. It's funny though. I I actually on the converse. I think I assume most people just went to college and graduated until I'm told otherwise. No, but but any no no no, college, but you, but, but, no, no, no. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like in my mind, I, I think I guess you bring your experiences, right? And so right. I went to college. You went to college. Our friends went. To college. You know what I mean? Like I know there are people who don't go to college. I just, but I you know, just feel I, ha- like I have to tell I, you. Maybe and maybe I apply. And, and maybe this is a conversation. Do we have a lot of time left? Uh, we're at like fifty-four minutes. <laughs> uh, maybe you know. Maybe, so I don't, maybe I don't this, know how in depth. This is coming. a conversation for another time. Um, it probably is, but I'm just I'm sick and tired of having to explain. You know what being Hispanic or being Latino is because I feel that it's like whatever. We're not aliens. Like uh, 
you know, I, I and, and the best example I have of that is, and I've told you this story several times, when I was up in law school in, in you know, Michigan, right. and, you know, I had a fellow classmate of mine who was from Iowa, nothing against people from Iowa, but he was from Iowa, and we were in a group setting in, like, a classroom. It was probably, like, a group of five or six of us. And, again, because I look a certain way, people don't necessarily assume right. that, you don't I'm, have an accent. And you that don't I'm have, right. Latin, you know. Um, and my name doesn't scream out Latin either, you know. Right. Um, I'm not, you know, <laughs> Huang Bei. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, he heard me say a name. We were reading a, a case, and I said the name of the plaintiff or somebody in the case. It was a Spanish name, and I said the name in Spanish. I go, oh, Maria Rodriguez. Right. And he looks at me. He pauses, and he looks at me, and he's like... You speak Mexican? Did you kill him? And I was Is he now dead? I was like, how do I, you know, split second thoughts? I go, how do I answer this to not sound like a total asshole? No, I you think know? it's okay. Because I, I stopped to think, okay, this is a somewhat intelligent person if he got into a law, you know, law school. He's he's you know, he got talk. into law school. He's somewhat intelligent, you know, especially here. You know, and how can he ask me that? And I told him, no, I don't speak Mexican. I speak Spanish. Being natural. Right. And then, you know, and then I hate doing that because then it makes it I sound... Don't, I don't. But, but no, but you know why I hate doing that when people make that whole Mexican assumption? Because then it makes it sound like I have something against Mexican. But it's just that Mexican is not a language. Which I don't, which I don't, but then it's like, oh my God, that's like thinking that everybody that looks Asian is from China. It's like, who thinks that? Like, who says those things? You know, but apparently a lot of people do. So, <laughs> so hmm. But, you know, that's a topic. We'll, we'll hold that whole topic. But some... I think that's really ultimately what we're all trying to talk about here on this podcast is you know mm-hmm. it's it's about our differences celebrate them but also the fact that we're a lot more alike than we think we are but and, you know and you know let's let's go with that and i know. think in in the spirit of more alike than we think i'm gonna transition over to our last sodas yes sir and i am actually going to give it to excuse me a local um r- restaurant chain of restaurants i think is fair to call them uh sergio's they are first of all they're fantastic if you've never Eaten. If you live in South Florida, you're eating at a Sergio's restaurant. Go, run, don't walk. They're delicious. Huge plates of food. Low, yum, yum, yum. Low cost. I mean, it's the best return on a dinner. <laughs> um, but I want to give them, in, in, like I said, in the upcoming together, we had that uh, very unfortunate freak accident happen down here in South Florida a couple of weeks ago with the, the bridge that collapsed. At FIU. FIU, Florida International University. And obviously, with that happening out of nowhere, there was just a lot of chaos and you know emergency crews on the scene and Sergio's restaurant actually fed the first responders um they really just proactively took it upon themselves to just mobilize and get some you know, sandwiches and just you know what we call out here completas which is you know it's just it's a meal it's like you know rice and some protein mm-hmm. and maybe some plantains and just get out there and feed these these workers who really were working around the clock trying to you know, do whatever they could to just get this bridge out of the middle of this major intersection. And so whenever somebody, you know, whenever a business really doubles down on becoming part of the community like that, Mm -hmm. I feel that they need to be celebrated because it's very easy to open up a business. Well, it's not, but it's to open a business and been around for years and just kind of rest back and say like, you know what? Not my problem. But when you, nobody has to ask you to go out there and act. Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be applauded. And so, guys, I know you can definitely afford your own Cokes because you're a restaurant, 
but I'd like to give you a special, you know, pero let me tell you soda. Yay! Good, 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 good. It's nice, you know, especially when they do something like that. They don't have to do it, but it's good that they did. Especially for, like, a tragedy, like, that bridge collapse that was just absolutely awful. Just awful, awful. So... Well, my last Coke of the Desert, I'm going to bring it into a topic, you know, earlier in this episode. I'm going to give my last Coke of the Desert. I was going to give it to someone else, but I changed my mind. I'm going to give it to Judith Light. Because Judith Light is amazing. She is. I think there should be a Judith Light award for Judith Light. <laughs> Judith Light gets the Judith Light. Every year. Judith, Judith Light gets the Judith Light Lifetime Achievement Award. Every year. Every year. Every year we For being Judith Light. You know, she was obviously, we love her as Angela Bauer and who's yes. a boss. But, you know, she's done a lot of things. She's one of these people that, like, she's kind of under the radar. She, she doesn't headline things, but she is kind of under the radar, but, like, in a good way. Because she did, you know, she was a judge on SVU. Uh, on, yes. On Law & Order for, for several years. She did a million Lifetime movies <laughs> in the 90s Including after the Ryan White story. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, she was on Ugly Betty. Ugly Betty. She was on Ugly Betty. And now she's on Transparent and she's freaking amazing. Amazing yeah. on that show. She's been nominated for Emmys or whatever. She's been nominated for Emmys. She won a daytime Emmy for her performance on One Life to Live. Uh, she's won a Tony. Right. I don't... I mean, that's about it, but I mean, she does... And, and the thing with so her she's is... An ET, not she's an E.T.? She's not an E.T. She's not an E.T. She's an E.T. I would love to see her in that little E.T. drag thing. Oh, when no. they put him through, like, just be great. Um, the beauty of her also is that as big as a name she is, she still, you can tell, enjoys her craft. And yeah. she does a lot of off-Broadway, one-woman shows. Shaved her head. Shaved her it. head to play, you know, the lead role in Wit. Um... This isn't somebody who very easily could have just coasted on on Angela Bauer for the rest yeah. of her career and just I'm going to be the sitcom mom until yeah. I can't be the sitcom mom and I'll be the sitcom grandma. Right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. But she didn't just kind of lay you know rest back on that. She's really demonstrated a hell of a, a breath, a range, a yeah. range, yeah. yeah. Good. I I love her. I love her. I I mean, obviously, my soft spot for her is, is Angela Bauer, yeah. but she's great. And every time I see Don't her in lie, something, you know your soft spot from her is from Phenom. Oh, from Phenom <laughs> with Ashley Johnson from yes. Growing Pains. Who's, <laughs> because it was Who's a Boss Needs Growing Pains. Who's now on, um, on Blind Spot. Blind Spot. Yes. So I'm happy Ashley Johnson's out there working. And consistently. And she had an uncredited role, was it in Spider Man? In Cap. No, Captain, in the was, first Avengers movie. For some right. reason, there's she a close up of her. Yeah. Like cringing as she's about to get. Oh my God, wait. Captain America. We're ending this episode without mentioning Pia Zadora. <laughs> Oh, no. We can't do that. We cannot do that. Okay, guys. So well, we just mentioned Pia We Zadora. just mentioned Pia Zadora. So as you know, our goal is to get Pia on Dancing with the Stars. So definitely, when you're reaching out to us via all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter with at BeroLetMe, please make sure to use the hashtag PiaOnDWTS. Oh, my God. That was a close one. It was a close we one. We were about to wrap this up and I no Pia Zadora mentioned. We can't. We can't. We can never forget the Pia. No, we would have to go and record this episode for a fourth oh time. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's like, it's almost midnight. I don't think I could do that at this point. But this is what we'll do for our faithful listeners. You know what? It would probably be a great episode, though, because you and I would both just be hallucinatory at this point. Pero what? Pero let me tell you what. It would be like that time when we were driving all through the night back from New York, and all of a sudden, you could, for the first time in your life, do accents. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, I could do accents, and I started seeing people on the road that weren't there. But he didn't swerve. But I didn't swerve. So that makes me very nervous. To think that he would just mow people down on the street, and here we are today. Therefore, I got us here. Safely. Safety, so, yes. 
<laughs> anyway, on guys. that note, here's episode uh, episode nine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, we will never forget episode yes, nine. Yes. And so, thank you so much for uh, tagging along with us. So, yes. grab your croqueta, your pastelito, and your jupina, and have a great day. And thank you for joining us again. And pero, let me tell you, and we'll catch you next time. Take care, kids. Bye. Bye. There's a time for love and a time for living You take a chance and face the wind An open road and a road that's hidden A brand new life